You're listening to the iZombie Podcast with Robin and Steph, a fan podcast for the CW show iZombie. My name is Robin, and Steph isn't here with me today, but just a few weeks ago, Steph and I were able to meet up in Atlanta for Dragon Con. It was so awesome because I hadn't seen her in person since 2010, even though we talk nearly every day. We hung out quite a bit, but because of prior commitments, I actually wasn't able to join her for this year's iZombie fan panel called Life in New Seattle. Joining her on the stage were frequent podcast guest and host of Tales of the Black Badge podcast, Kevin Batchelder, as well as authors David Boop, Samantha Summersby, E.J. Stevens, and Damian Allen, as well as moderator Carol Malcolm. We have the audio from that panel, thanks to Kevin for recording it. Uh, just as a reminder, I'll be recording a music podcast covering the songs of season four. That should be coming out soon. Also, like we did for Hellcats during uh, one hiatus, um, Steph and I will be binge casting about Veronica Mars soon as well. This is going to be a crossover with our binge cast, We Don't Want to Wait, subscribe now, uh, which uh, we're now finishing up uh, The Handmaid's Tale. And uh, we're soon going to be checking out the Jonah Hill, Emma Stone, Netflix limited series, uh, Maniac, as well as the Riverdale spinoff, question mark, question mark, uh, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. So check it out by searching for We Don't Want to Wait on your podcast app. However, we will be posting our Veronica Mars binge in this feed as well, if you just want that. I would expect that to start showing up toward the end of 2018 as we lead up to the highly anticipated Veronica Mars Hulu revival that's due in 2019. More Rob Thomas, please. Finally, in iZombie news, it was just announced that Bryce Hodgson, who plays Don E, will be a full-time cast member next year. Hooray! And uh, it's going to be awesome to see him in the uh, the opening credits. But, um... <clears throat> I also have some more awesome news that I can't wait to share with you. It's iZombie related, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. Just know that I am very excited and I will share it as soon as I can. For now, let's join Steph and the other panelists at DragonCon and their discussion of iZombie Season 4. Hello, my name is David Boop. I'm a Denver-based author and editor. Um, my most uh, known work right now is Predator If It Bleeds, an anthology for the 30th anniversary of Predator, of which my story in there uh, was nominated for a Scribe Award uh, this last year at San Diego Comic-Con. I've also edited Weird Westerns, which is where my horror uh, roots show. Um, I did a, a best-selling anthology last year called Straight Outta Tombstone. Um, uh, speaking of Winona Earp type stuff, you know, Weird Westerns for the win. And I also do a sci-fi noir series uh, starting off with She Murdered Me With Science. I'm Samantha Summersby, and for the past few years, I've been writing the Fallen Siren series in conjunction with Gene C. Stein. Um, we write that under the pen name of S.J. Harper. I'm E.J. Stevens. I write the Spirit Guide series, the Ivy Granger Psychic Detective series, the Hunter's Guild series, and the upcoming Whitechapel Paranormal Society series. 
Hello, I'm Damien. I'm a fan of cannabis, and I write checks. Okay, <laughs> 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 uh, no, actually, uh, occasionally I pop in uh, as a um, podcaster on the uh, Need Coffee website. It's a pop culture website. Thanks, Kevin. I also sometimes now pop in as the pinch hitter for the 50 Days of Dragon Con podcast that happens every year before Dragon Con. And you can find me over on Instagram as unidentified underscore madman or on Twitter as you underscore madman as well. I'm a professional fan panelist at this point. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Stephanie Smith. I do the Eyes on Me podcast with Robin and Steph. Yes, and we also do a potential cast. made it more interesting in that um, you know the the brain of the week mystery that it started out as um, has kind of taken a, a back seat to the overall story arc but I, I think back to um, the series back in the 80s uh, the war, war of the worlds the series where they, they started out with this whole conspiracy sort of thing and then the second season, Basically, the aliens have been outed and society has fallen down and, and so forth. And, and it struggled because it was such a sharp change. But iZombie did it kind of subtly. They kind of built to that. They've been hinting at it. Even from the first season, they're hinting towards where they're going to go with the story, the meta story. And I thought they did it, they did it fairly well where it wasn't like a, a huge shock that this was going to happen. Yeah, it seems like they've been talking about the fact that this was going to happen for so long that when it finally did, for me, it seemed um, almost a relief. So it's like, okay, now we can move this forward, and there's a whole different layer of complexity and new dynamics that we're now seeing. And I am enjoying that aspect of it. I do wish that we also got more of a perspective of the outside. So even though they're out, we're still pretty much stuck in New Seattle. So we aren't really seeing very much about what is the rest of the world thinking about this. And I have some curiosity about that and wonder if they'll go there next season. Well, I heard they were renewed. They're, well, yeah, one more, more season, but that's yeah. it. That yeah, last one, yeah, that's right. Right. Yes. yes. Um, I had the same feeling that it, it sounds like a, a lot of us had at the very beginning of the se- season, where I really loved the Brain of the Week episodes. It really gave um, 
it, it, they were fun, and Rose MacGyver just excelled so well at those episodes. And, and, and unlike other shows that are more the police procedural, they can become so rep- repetitious and become a little bit boring. But because it was, uh, she would take on so many different personalities, I never got bored with those type of episodes. Uh, but I, at the same time, it has been really interesting to build these new conflicts and with it, it suddenly the secret is out. You have these really uh, a very integral uh, things between humans and zombies, and, and this clash between human communities and zombie communities, and and the interesting juxtaposition of the scratching post. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it's it's been a really interesting playground within this walled city uh, for the writers and the cast. And I, I, as a writer. Um, I really appreciated that, all the bold, the bold choices that brought them there. And as a fan, it did take me an episode or two to really embrace it. But by the end of the season, I actually really, really liked that they went in that direction. So I'm the one that actually really, really liked that they just went ahead and outed everything, put it out in the open, and moved right along with, here's where we are. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, because I, I, I love how this season... It allowed them to focus on the kind of inner workings of the zombie versus zombie versus other faction of zombie with like his dad, the church, mm-hmm. the Bill or organization, then our Scooby Gang. Which I love the Scooby Gang, but I realized we, I think all of us on this panel have watched enough shows where that trope is there. Let's face it, we've got, I don't know how many seasons of Supernatural where it's Scooby Gang, right? you got Buffy, Scooby Gang, you know, they're like, everyone has their Scooby Gang, and I love that, and I love Brain of the Week, because it, that, like, that part allows, like, the actors to stretch a little bit, mm-hmm. um, sometimes very, very badly, and there's some episodes I'm going to yell at later, but um, I like that. I think it allowed them to focus on that more, even though part of me is like, eh, the outside world would very, very much look at this very, very differently. But that wasn't the main focus for this season. I think they had to go with internal um, amongst the zombies first. From the inside out. Right. I like that uh, we can, it leads to the imagination what's going on on the outside. We can just imagine how they look at what's going on inside the walls of New Seattle. But also the the brain of the week, I feel like the network wants shows to do brain of the week uh, to keep it where new viewers can hop in at any time. And I think after so many seasons, the show wants to branch in a different direction. And uh, what else? Well, I think that's a really good point because uh, because when we talked about this in the first year of this track about Supernatural. Damien was on that panel, and he may remember this, that a lot of, the, a lot of times people make the um, criticism of that show that, oh, I like the best one of this monster, you know, of, the week. monster of the week instead of being this overarching. Sorry, but you can't do that for 13 years, and no. you know, at that time it wasn't 13, but still, <laughs> you know, there has to be more to it than that, and I would say, I would say that that's you're exactly right, Seth. I mean, that's my feeling. That, and as far as the brain of the week thing goes, they still do that, but somehow it's now tied into the other story. It's not the main focus. Right, right. Well, and we get to see... All of the brains of the week are somehow connected to what's going on in New Seattle. We get to see other people, other zombies (laughs) now playing with the the different Mm -hmm. brains and the different Mm -hmm. personalities and things like that. We're, we're seeing it more spread out through the community being used for either good or bad, you know. Right, well, they do it for recreation sometimes. Yeah. As opposed to, let's go see, you know, watch out for those blue brains. That was funny. Yeah, definitely no blue brains for these kids. And they were experimenting. Well, and I thought that was really interesting, and I also liked the mixed up. Uh, brains in the like Gogurt packet. Oh, the yeah. uh, <laughs> military. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah.
more of this more open thing and it's you know Seattle is a okay and then how many of you uh, don't like it okay just a few um, and you've got a few people who are yeah, on the fence in one way or the other it, it could go the other way okay well and, and, but it is an interesting question that supernatural shows have new shows with supernatural background or paranormal that they do have to answer because that's the same thing that any any books that are set in a paranormal world have to deal with whether they're going to do that. So, it, you know, it, it's true um, for any kind of shows as well. well. My next question has to do with with the characters. Which characters do you feel so have made that, you know, have gone through greatest growth or the most change in this particular season, this past season. I mean, I can't figure oh, yeah. out, is he a zombie or not? I mean, it, it's like every week he decides, he is zombie adjacent. Yeah. He's like, aware of zombie. You know, he's like, when the full moon comes out, I'm a zombie. When I, when I need to be a zombie, I'm a zombie. You know, it's like, you know, when I need to wear, you know, something really nice, I put on my zombie wear, you know. So I may feel good about myself. Well, that's funny. Um, you can but, tell when he puts a hat on to but you know that's been the most confusing thing for me through this season is is his transition um, you know where where he seems to be kind of living in both worlds at any given moment and so much has been put on his shoulders as the you know basically the mad scientist of the group the guy who, who you know, holds the fate of the characters in in his his development of zombie rats and stuff. So, I mean, you got hes pretty amazing for a coroner. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, he used uh, to work for the CDC. True. Yeah. But I've got friends that work at the CDC right now. Five of them. I'm not gonna throw them in the lab <laughs> and come up with a zombie cure. That ain't happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. You just don't have confidence. No, 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 I, I believe in them. They have a certain set of skills. Well, I'm, I'm going to segue to another one real quick, but this this uh, show uh, on, called Outpost, which is also on, I think, the same channel, um, they have a guy who's a brewer who's, like, doing all of this forensic science in, in the dark ages, and he's trying to cure their zombie plague, uh, and he's a brewer, but he's the only guy who knows how to make things. It's chemistry. What's that? <laughs> Making beer is chemistry. Yeah, it is, but you know, we're kind of pushing it when he's doing forensic science. So, a little bit. So, sometimes I think Robbie pushes it a little bit for stories. Um, I'm going to go back to Major. I, for me, um, I understand that arc and where he got where he is. Um, but I, I really wish that Liv had called him on some of this stuff sooner. That uh, scene where uh, Renegade is executed and he's standing right there and he kind of turns around and he's like, huh. I, feel, I really felt like that was a pivotal scene and foreshadowed that he was going to go down that rabbit hole a little bit. And that's a good point because he actually like looked in that scene less disturbed yes. than Chase did. Yes. So we'll, we'll get to Chase. 
actually chooses my choice. Our own minds change. We'll get there. Well, we're we're there. there. Yeah, we're there. We're there. Yeah, I mean, his descent into becoming this this very dark, uh, damaged, and then evil person. Because at first, I really felt, I really believed that even though he was making bad decisions and he was making tough decisions, at least in his mind, with good intent, with good intent right. he was trying to save the people of New Seattle. He was in a tough decision, you know, tough position uh, as the leader. Um, but he was also being manipulated. Um, people were withholding information from him. Uh, but then he gets angry because of that. And then his anger and, and paranoia about the people around him really start to, to feed it. And, uh, and I mean, we know how it all ends. It's, it's um, he, I mean, when he doesn't even let them have, like, more than a minute to say goodbye. I mean, that was just a baggy thing to do. Like, mm-hmm. um, so, I mean, it, they, and, and even like having having live tortured and everything towards the end. Uh, mm-hmm. that, it, a lot of that was just so unnecessary, and that didn't that wasn't the character he was at the beginning no. of the season. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, as far as someone who was just drastically changed, yeah. uh, I felt like he was the one that, that just changed so much. Yeah, it was a far cry from the guy who went into the hotel bathroom and came out with the puppy. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'll argue this one, because, you know, I always Why take not? the opposite position. <laughs> That's always who Chase Graves has been, right? Chase Graves is a military guy who came in right at the end of a precision strike when he when he first showed up. He's always had a plan. You want to show a person's character, put them in power. Most dictators tend to not think of themselves as bad guys, right? I'm just making decisions, right? Chase Graves is a military dictator, right? Like it, it's a it's a drawn up character sheet that checks off all of the boxes. It's right? a slippery slope. Exactly. I mean, Most of these the, you look in real life, and then you look at television with this particular character in that role as a military leader that is leading a specific group of people, and it's basically at war in the beginning, and even now trying to provide for them with limited resources, right? Hmm. There are plenty of military dictators that love their kids, that love their families, what have you, will go and they have puppies and everything else, right? And then have zero and have zero issues executing people. Except most dictators are interested in expanding their power, not taking their people and putting it on a small little island. Unless you Cuba. think that was bunk. Cuba. That, that, okay, I said most. That's, <laughs> but that's your character sheet, right? Yeah. I said most, right? Actually, actually, I got I gotta disagree with you. Like, a lot there are a lot of military dictators who they just want to protect the territory. That they yeah, one of the yeah. one of the first things they do is close all borders. Uh, most yeah, military, right? Isolationist nations in this world because of that. Well, and, and there's a lot of themes. I mean, let, if we take a look at just this season alone, not even the whole four, you know, uh, all four seasons, but just in this season alone, we covered illegal immigration, open relationships, uh, racial strife, religion, you know, what to do in the name of God, um, crime pays, health care slash right to die versus corporal punishment, taking somebody's, yeah, censorship, I mean, there's a lot of topics that are straight out of today's headlines that were covered this season. It's yeah, pretty intense. Talking to the writers, they were really itching to get away from the just plain genre storytelling and get into social commentary. They were just dying to talk about what's going on now. Yeah. Well, I mean, and there were subtle bits of it throughout, but this season really brought it to a head. Yeah, no, that's looking at your list. Um, and I think that's part of why, as a viewer, I was a little taken off because I think of it as the brain of the week show that I fell in love with um, for that bit. And now it's more its more of an appreciation for what they're able to do, bringing some of these ideas in, in the context of the zombie world. Right. Without 
<coughs> holding up that neon sign like a lot of shows will do. I think that makes design. it easier, though, right? Because you're dealing with something like that's so fictitious that you can play with the logistics a lot easier without without having to be as heavy-handed or, or any of the real fallout. Well, yeah, I mean, that's where a lot of sci-fi shows are able to do it because it's in that guise of sci-fi. No, but I'm just, the fact that we didn't have a lot of that in season one is where, as a viewer, I was having to shift my perspective to what I enjoyed from the show. And not a bad thing, just I, as a viewer, got challenged. It was a good thing, but I had to make sure I looked at it. You can get to say who your favorite well, changed um, character. Yeah, Chase Graves was very interesting, but Blaine and his daddy issues. Oh, and I love, love that one. You talking to him about, oh no, you're the voice of God. And I was like, oh, you're the voice of God. Just like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So I wouldn't say that that Blaine had actually changed as much as took the opportunity that he'd been missing. For several other seasons, he finally got to get close to the golden ring, and oh, I loved seeing that character, you know, get so close to his goals, even though they're bad goals, they're bad goals <laughs> for all of us, but if you're going to enjoy a villain like Blaine, who has written so well... And acted so well. And, well, I've loved David Anderson, mm-hmm. everything I've seen him in, all the way back to, uh, uh, what's that? Alias. Alias, thank you. Yeah, um, he's just a, an amazing actor, and he's gotten to do some really good work on this. So, yeah. And it is interesting that I stuff you saying, you know, we did get to see that dynamic between he and Angus a little more. Yeah. You know, because they were, um, and just the fact that he is able to operate out in the open, you know, and in the finale, um, when he was telling me, you know, all that illegal smuggling you're doing, what's I love that. Let's ramp it up, you know. And uh, that's, so that's, that, that's going to be interesting, I think, to see as well. What about you guys? Anybody who hasn't been named yet? Did you, did you think was the person who, the character who had the most change or growth in the season? Yes. I mean, I think that Liv really, you know, she's always sort of been a crusader, but I think that Becoming Renegade was a mm. huge character. say Clive, Clive dealing with Clive's love life and mm-hmm. figuring out what Clive wanted and everything else. And then, has everyone seen this season? Yeah. Alright, we, we're good? Because sometimes we have these panels and yeah. oh, there's a couple people that like, leave the room You can go la 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 la. Right. For me, it was Clive finally sealing the deal. Like, no, I don't want all of this over here. I just want you, Dale. We will do this regardless of what happens. Right, yeah. right. Yes. Yeah, I did have a character I um, that up. I noticed changed, but I'm along with Kevin because I'm not into zombies, but I loved iZombie because it wasn't a zombie show. It's not an anti-zombie show. And it was like my little hour of just cracked up ridiculousness. And then this season, boom, it became this serious drama covering all the things that the mm-hmm. second guy did. And not that it's not. Was the character of the show itself completely sure. changed over? Mm-hmm. Well, and if we want to talk about people who've had drastic changes this season, how about anybody that gets in a relationship with Lynn? 
Mm. Um, oh, yeah. Pretty much from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, no. I had a about that. That all of these guys' middle names are Kenny? Um, <laughs> More or less. But I think, you know, it is sad. I mean, Levon was a cool character. We all enjoyed him. But he was unless you haven't seen the last couple of episodes. John Doe Magazine. So, Wonder is. But, you know, and then all these terrible things have happened to anyone that uh, Major has tried to have a relationship with. And. It just seems to me as though it's fairly obvious that neither of them is going to ever end up with each other, anyone besides each other. But oh my god, that episode of the old people. Oh my god. Oh yeah, that right? I like seriously, once great. again I just felt bad for Major. I was just like Oh, that's yeah. That was but a great little like, twist at the end there. Yeah. Well, so, that do you guys have that feeling too, though? That yeah. That's how it's going to end up. Is that, that's why he's going yeah. back. No, he shouldn't um, take her back. Um, yeah, I, I oh, don't know. No, he shouldn't take her back. Not after that. Oh, no, he's, well, he shouldn't have taken her back because she's the one who made him a zombie in the first place. Uh, so, yeah, you're working on something. She saved his life. But I think that's you. But I think it's safe. But I'm still, I'm not convinced, sorry to interrupt, uh-huh. but while it looks like, yes, eventually the two of them, but I just think there's been so much going on between them, I'm not sure yeah. that can really happen. I'm no, not, I don't, they just I know what they are. Really? Like, with the, with Fillmore Graves and the mm-hmm. Renegades, like, I don't, I mean, they're going to have to, in this season, really... Mm-hmm.
It says, Seattle needed a hero, and I guess he volunteered. volunteered. The girl who can't find meaning in her life any other way. And I just, I thought that was an interesting observation about her, because there's also another one in that Harper episode where she is giving advice to another character, and she says, live undead with a true true heart and do not with good. Because she's speaking in in the persona of this person. So, um, kind of for the persona of the brain, or whatever, you know. Yes. And so I thought those two things about her were um, kind of interesting. But, but those are good points that Major himself, you know, actually had the same kind of tendencies. And, you know, the, and as you said, they're doing, they try to accomplish the same things, but. You know, getting there is the path, their paths are a little more di- different and uh, a little more fraught with danger, let's say. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add something to that in that we keep talking about you know, them as heroes. In a lot of ways, I see them more as potential martyrs. You know, I don't know that I see them, either of them, coming out of this in a, as we lead into this new season that we know is going to end. I, you know, they've been setting themselves up as martyrs almost from the beginning, and I'm, I'm curious to see where they go with it. Do, do we, well, here, let's do a poll. How many people think, <laughs> how many people think Major's going to survive season five? Okay, how many people think Liv is going to survive season five? It's a dramedy. Yeah, I think because it's the final season. Yeah, I have to, but going by who runs the show, obviously, I would think they would let her live. One one of the things that us writers could probably attest to is foreshadowing in your stories. And her name escapes me now, but who's the teenage girl that they brought in? Isabel. Isabel. Oh, yeah. Isabel, the fact that they didn't save Isabel, that that she was destined to die in this season, and I'm sorry for those of you who haven't seen it, but that's you know, um, the fact that she was she was destined to die is them saying that people you care about are going to die before this is over. Liv's boyfriend of the week. We we get we get we've gotten used to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, well, except the one the one guy survived still, right? The, the black guy. The the, the, the black guy. Uh, yeah, he's still alive, but we haven't seen him in a while. Well, he showed up what like the last episode. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, he, he got out. He got out early. He got out early. Yeah. So I guess maybe there is hope for Major if uh, if he just never gets back with Liv. Um, but um, but uh, you know they've been foreshadowing the characters. We're going to make you care about characters, and they're going to die. And I think that the body count for the final season is going to be pretty harsh. And yeah, I mean I agree it's a comedy slash drama, but. Um, you know, we as we've seen in this season, there was a lot more drama than comedy. So okay. I, I get the feeling from that show that there's going to be a whole lot of flaws within the very core community. Not, I, I mean, we have the core cast, but I may be wrong about that. Yes. You know, we were talking about Chase early. Something you just mentioned, um, and, and his change over the season. Um, and, and yes, at the beginning of the season, he just wanted the zombies are out, and we're going to figure this out. Because he didn't want his people to have to hide anymore. And, and and I thought that was really great, and we see how he progressed to this despot. But it was one thing to create a world where zombies are out, and, and, and he did try to negotiate with the American government. People die. Why just why bury them or burn them? You know, you're not using the brain anyway, and they can help us. Which I thought, what, what I thought was going to happen, but finding out that the American government had laid itself against you and just was looking for an opportunity to bomb you out of existence and take out the humans that were there as just collateral damage, I thought that is what changed, helped change the chase character, giving him, for me, some justification. I just had a weird realization. He went from having puppies to being this really evil character. 
after this one night or with, with Liv, which, again, is sort of like, is that why he had to die this season? Yeah. Oh, I mean, there I mean, oh, there we go. <laughs> She's a black widow, I'm telling you. I'm not touching this. I'm going to say this. No. <laughs> she raised her hand a couple of times. I don't know. If oh, okay. I'm sorry. I didn't see yeah. you. I was going to follow up with you, which I think the person most likely to die would be Peyton, because everybody, everybody no. in the world of the show loves no. her. Although I don't think yes. she necessarily does anything to move Scott forward. Mm-hmm. So and when you talk about people who've changed the most, Peyton seems to be the person who hasn't changed at all. At all, right? Mm-hmm. And the only. And the relationship with Robbie, and I will give Scarlett credit for this, Robbie's a great person, but he only seems to like her because she's hot. Like, <laughs> it's kind of like the most shallow of relationships. It's balanced. you guys It's balanced. Well, okay, only one. I would say, I mean, they've written Peyton to be kind of a crusader character in some ways very much the best friend of, of Liv in that they both uh, had the goal of helping people. I mean, you know, really all, all of them, you know, Robbie, Liv, Major, and, and Peyton, all have other people's interests above their own in, in many different ways. So, yeah, you know, she, is she attractive? Yeah. But I don't think that's the at least from my standpoint, I don't think that is necessarily what he fell in love with as much as her spirit and the fights she was willing to take, uh, which are similar to the fights he was willing to take. She puts that guy away for a living and did before all of this. Mm-hmm. She's also, it's nice to she's for us as a viewer, you know, she's not a zombie or anything like that. I mean, she, you know, so sometimes when she's having a conversation, especially with Robbie or Liv, she kind of grounds things back to what a lot of us can appreciate from that point of view. We're not dealing with being a zombie and all that, too. I mean, it's not deep, deep stuff, but sometimes it's a little uh, reality check in the unreal world. You mentioned that dinner that he had with the parents. Not to say that she isn't attractive in any way. I, just so we clarify that, you know. I, he, I guess compared to the other women on the show, she doesn't have the, the depth that the others do. And I would say as far as the Rob Thomas female you know, character, she doesn't seem to have the depth that they usually do. You know, I, I, and I will absolutely agree with that. And I think that was because she wasn't actually a series regular until until this year, yeah. until this year. She, she had a lot of other projects and so she did a couple of things here and there but uh, yeah I was just going to say uh, also Peyton is the face of the government in New Seattle at this point I feel like with Peyton that's her that's her thing and she is going to have to play a large role and a large-scale political assassination is a juicy, juicy story idea for the end of it. I could see Peyton going that. I could see that happening. So I feel like I feel like her. I feel like she is going to move into some form of you know trying to run the city as any politician would. But with everything that's going on, it seems like it would be not impossible to actually do anything when you have Fillmore Graves knocking at your door and you have zombies and everything else. Like, I feel like she's in an impossibly difficult position right now. I, I think we need to start putting Vegas odds on this. I think it makes it a little bit easier on her, though, because she, she's intimately familiar with all the partners that play. Majors and Al in charge of Fillmore Grace and deal with her dating Ravi. Liv is her best friend. I think all of these things can actually work out a lot easier. Uh, because she's willing to kind of go behind the scenes and help out on some fairly illegal stuff. Mm-hmm. There's also been some foreshadowing about Ravi with his willingness to experiment on himself a little bit <laughs> in his search for, you know, a cure or a vaccine of 
some kind. I could definitely see experiment gone bad and yeah. Robbie biting the dust. Experiments gone bad. That's going to be one of the episode titles for next season. That's <laughs> an accurate prediction. <laughs> yeah, or at least the topic, right? Oh, one thing. Oh, yeah, go ahead. And I'm, one other thing I want to bring up because I want to hear everybody's thoughts. Well, during the season, there were a lot of, uh, uh, I guess, fighting amongst several groups within Seattle. But at the end of the season, it, it looks like everyone within Seattle working together now. So with next season, it, it looks like it's built towards they're going to be fighting the outside because they're all everyone's working together. They're Bill Gray, yeah. Liv, um, they're all. Well, yeah, and that's a good point because one of the observations that I jotted down when I had been reading through my notebook of the, of the notes from the episodes from this season, uh, it, it struck me that Liv, in her role as renegade, was in a similar position that Chase was mm-hmm. in terms of having to make decisions who lives and who dies. Well, they were at, you know, they were at cross purposes, but now that it's major, and and live, and they know better what the other person's motives are and how they how they work how they think that it does come into what you're saying that they you know they have a better understanding of each other and it's like okay so you know major is telling um, telling Blaine to go ahead and up his business so, and, and he's offered he told yeah, Liv he would help her yeah to, to, bring, get, to get more people you know yeah. to bring them all in so so it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. It did strike me that, yes, that they were actually uh, the two that lived in. And the church is gone also. The church is gone. Oh, yeah, thank goodness. Oh. That's why I see everyone's working together. I like him a church. Did Blaine's father actually, did they actually show him dying? They did not. No, okay. No. So, yeah, I did not actually. No, they said he was dead, but I did not actually. Well, they showed them all shooting at him and making sure. I mean, it it, took like, yeah. But they had the screen. But that actor's not coming back next season. Oh, okay. It'll be a new actor if they keep the character, I think. I want to bring him back for a camera. One, one thing I'd like to, if I can just jump in on the topic that I'm going to spend a couple minutes on, is to really, truly appreciate what an amazing job Rose MacGyver does. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you know, to be able to play this many different people and play it very well this long, I mean, it's just, we, we get so used to it, I just don't want to take it for granted. We, we talk about Orphan Black a lot with the different characters that she plays, and she's won all these awards. Has Rose been nominated for anything? Not every season. Yeah, and, and, and she should be because she's doing every bit the same job that, that they're doing on Orphan Black. I mean, it's darker. It's Orphan Black's dark, and this is comedy, granted. But I feel like there's always it's a live with a personality. Right, well, that's it's not a completely different person. Right. And Tatiana Maslany is like different. And I'm going to tell you how okay. certain characters that she brings that she's had has been handled very, very different than the characters on Orphan Black. Okay. It, it's, it's, I, I get where we're thinking it's the same ballpark, but it's college ball versus professional. I, I'm thinking from an act, actor right. standpoint, not necessarily from a writing standpoint. Yeah. From an acting standpoint, she completely becomes the character that she's eating the brains of. Well, I no, then that's where I disagree with okay. you. And that was actually, that's a perfect segue. That's that what that's right, yeah. To what the next thing I wanted to bring up is that she actually does take on personality traits of, mm-hmm. you know, whatever she's happened to be or whatever. Um, and she takes on their personality traits, but she doesn't actually become them. No, she's still it's her. Not, right. you know, it, it's not a total... Um, Personality change. Though know, it seems a little inconsistent sometimes. Very like, much with, so. With her sleeping with Chase. You know? Well, she that was because of the brains. Right. Yeah. Right. But she was actually attracted to Chase Graves. It was Chase Graves. Liz was attracted to Chase Look, Chase we've all been drinking in Mainland. Personality yeah. trait made her go that extra. Right. Yeah. 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 
But she I wasn't just going to sleep with anybody. But she didn't own that. Yeah. It's kind of like it was the brain made me do it. She, she, she definitely uses it as an excuse. Yeah. Okay. It's kind of like she's possessed by the brain. Exactly. Because she's still, because she still will take on mannerisms. It's not just personality. She'll take on the walk. She'll right, take on right. the way. Like there are yes. the mannerisms as well. So it's like she's possessed by this brain, and she's kind of struggling with not letting that brain take over. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if it depends on how much brain she puts in the food. <laughs> it's balanced out by the hot sauce. When they're doing interrogations and stuff, and she starts going a little off, and Clive's just like, bring it back in. Oh, yeah, during the interrogations? Yeah, she's typically able to do that. I think sometimes they had her going a little too far this season, where she would get a little bit too off kilter, and it's like, okay, well, I'm glad they didn't go further. having a stronger and stronger impact as time goes on because of long-term exposure? Because, I mean, we don't have any controlled information of long-term exposure to constant eating of other brains. Could, could, she, could, the, could this actually be something that, that's intentional by the writers? We just hasn't been really discussed yet. Like, maybe Robbie hasn't brought it to our attention yet. But it doesn't did, did seem like this season she was much more... And this season she also was on the same brains a little bit longer. Right. So I wondered if it was, like, more... It was, like, sometimes we're, like, it was, like, two or three episodes. Yeah, like, the romantic brain she was on. I still have this brain left over. This is, like, there's, like, a brain shortage going on. She was eating the same... I mean, maybe it's impacted by, like, how the brain, like, how the person died or the or how regular food, or I also would say maybe it's because of how much she wants to be that brain versus how much she wants to fight against it. Maybe she gives in yeah. to more certain brains more than others. See, and that's what I thought because this season there Allie doesn't have to hide anymore. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have right. to try to be Liv. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's yeah. a, I that, like that. That is a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I feel a, I feel as if Liv a lot of times. Not live. I feel like Rob Thomas in general will sometimes forego things for the sake of an easy joke. Like a lot of his shows are peppered with it, and it's why they're so funny and they're very good. But specifically with the character of Liv, her her quote unquote worst moments, whenever she seems like she's going really over the top with the brains, are usually not always, but often played for comedic effect, often played for laughs. And as much as I like his drama, Rob Thomas tends to write fairly broad jokes. Which are great. I'm not. I'm not. You know, saying anything against them. But he certainly seems to write the, that style of comedy very well. And if, almost every time Liv goes over the top, it's to get a laugh. So it works. But it, it does make the character seem a little more off kilter than it should necessarily. Well, my my comment about how I thought that she was going a little over the top this season was not in relation to anything other than the interrogations. Mm. Because since it did remain her and she knew what she was supposed to be doing, I think it's more effective, personally, when she goes in as herself and but then goes off on this tangent. She can't help herself because she's, you know, got whatever the case may be, you know, she's she's the uh, the car cam video was hilarious. The car cam video was hilarious. <laughs> those things, those were the ones that I thought were a little bit too far. But when she goes in and she's just, if she's just talking to her friends or she goes in, she's greeting Clyde. Now, those are always fine because he's sitting there at his desk and she comes sashaying in as somebody else. And he's like, he's never going to know he's going to get it for his partner that day, you know, pretty much. 
standpoint, I think they needed to have her separated from the police department more and more. I think that the fact that she got suspended and so forth, they were pushing her away from the legal way of doing things because she was moving into the illegal way of doing things. So I think from a writing standpoint, they needed to set up something that would alienate her with the police. Well, and you can't get as much done if you're supposed to be at work all the time, even mm-hmm. if your boss covers for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We saw that with the Flash. They right. eventually had to, you know, Barry Allen had to get fired from the police department so he could be the Flash 24-7. So <laughs> no, it's just something that happens. She she gets brains that give her visions. She staying in touch with her humanity, her compassion. Exactly. Yeah. Soldiers who eat the stuff that doesn't give them yeah. right. to Basically, if you cure the zombies, you're saying that differences in races can be um, just, I don't want to say whitewashed over, but, you know, the whole point is that if, if a zombie is the new race and they're the new minority in this story, um, you have to find a way for zombies and humans to live together. That's ultimately got to be the message. And it... in no change comes without sacrifice. So somebody is going to have to die, 
to create this piece, you can't cure zombieism in the story because basically you're saying you can cure uh, being black or Hispanic or LGTB or whatever. Hmm. Um, and that's... But they did find a cure for zombieism already. They, they, they occasionally find they can't a... can't replicate li- it. They, they find, a, from a plot devoi- device, they find the, uh, a cure just long enough to cure somebody for that plot point. But they can't do it in a, in a big way. They can't wipe out zombieism. Because and we did find out that in fact Blaine is the one who has the cure. Yes. So that, that, that was like just kind of a question from last season. Okay, Kevin? I'm kind of um, hoping that we get uh, the last couple of episodes where it is uh, Liv and Major realizing how similar they are, but doing it different ways that they end up uh, finding a way to save folks of Seattle or, or at least their core group. Um, and not that they will die. But that we, the ending will be ambiguous. They'll have to make some big sacrifice to do something where we go, did they live, did they die? We don't know, but they did the right thing for each of their characters. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds good. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, <coughs> I'll get right on. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the iZombie Podcast with Robin and Steph. Send your feedback to iZombiePodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter and on Facebook. Just search for iZombie Podcast, all one word. All of our contact info is on our website, iZombiePodcast.com. You can follow Steph on Twitter at Steph Smith. You can follow Robin as well at LRobinero. Our podcast logo is designed by D. Sheehan. You can find her work at Behance.net slash Deanna Sheehan. Also, friend of the show Cheyenne contributes with Photoshops on our Twitter. Follow her at iZombieLove. Check out our other podcast. You can listen to us binge cast through teen dramas like Dawson's Creek and Popular. Just subscribe to We Don't Want to Wait on iTunes. You can also listen to us occasionally talk about the Buffy spinoff Angel with our friends. Subscribe to Redemption Cast on iTunes. While you're on iTunes, why not leave us a review? We do this in our spare time so your ratings and reviews are much appreciated and helps us get seen by more iZombie fans. And make sure it's on the correct feed. We are the iZombie Podcast with Robin and Steph. And we're done. You think anyone is still listening? Probably not. Zombies! Zombies!